to tell It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muppets, Black Man, Smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome to the Advent Calendar House, the official holiday podcast for silly creatures who celebrate Christmas in July. (laughs) This is a semi-annual salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. And today we're dancing our cares away back to 1984 as we ring in a new season with the Bells of Fraggle Rock. I am appearing to put the finishing touches on my Weeba Beast costume, but really it's just what my face looks like, Mike Westfall. And joining me, having left out milk and cookies to cook by the fire overnight, it's Tommy Coombs. Hello, Tom. Hey, Mike. I'm uh, glad to be here. You know, I got to watch out. I almost stepped on the Gorgie patch outside. (laughs) Oh, that's don't want to step in that. No, because they'll grab me and eat me. (laughs) and here to speak in songs and riddles that i will eventually figure out are wise beyond their years please welcome back donnie storms hey donnie hey mike how are things things are well it's great to have you both back and we'll start according to our ancient tradition of talking about our personal history of watching fraggle rock and if you had seen this christmas special before and let's begin with donnie uh so I grew up uh, on a farm and this farm was so off of the, the beaten path way far away from where anyone else lived. We actually couldn't get cable. So I didn't have HBO and didn't really grow up with, uh, with the fraggles as being a big part of my life. Uh, the most exposure I had to the fraggles was the odd episode that they would throw on uh, network TV every now and then. Um, but mostly uh, the happy meal toys. Oh, yeah. Where the Fraggles were sitting in uh, vegetables. So (laughs) I had all of those and loved all of those. Um, But yeah, no, I had never seen this episode before. So this was new to me and it was uh, exciting to find something new to to add to my my Christmas rotation. Oh, excellent. Uh, Tommy, what's your story? Okay, now I got to be honest. This is probably the first time I've watched this. I've seen this episode in at least 30 years. (laughs) Yeah. It's about that for me, too. Now, like, as you may recall, these Fraggles were, like, on HBO. Right. Back in the day. Yep. Now, I was very privileged because we had cable because my dad, not because we were rich, but because my dad worked for cable. Ah, yes. So that's that's how we got it. So Cable guy! <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, all righty then, but that's the wrong Jim Carrey. <laughs> Trust me, they're all the same, Jim Carrey. So you're fine. Somebody stop me from installing this cable. (laughs) (laughs) So I always grew up uh, with Fraggle Rock. And like I said, this has been probably been the first time I've seen an episode or heard the song in so long. But as soon as I heard that, it took me right back. And uh, Donnie, like you said, uh, Happy Meal Toys, I had them also. But I had like, instead of having all four, I had four gobos in the carrot car. 
No, <laughs> yes. Nice. Now, as a kid, I thought the wheels were cookies. I didn't realize they were mushrooms. <laughs> I thought they were cookies too. I thought they were chocolate chip cookies. I had red in the radish. Um, yeah. Ooh. And three of those because, you know, we we went to McDonald's once during the Fraggle Rock Happy Meal season, and they all <laughs> we all got the same thing. All three of us got the same thing that week. Uh, I do want to say that Four Gobos in a Carrot Car is a great name for a punk band. <laughs> oh, the name of the band would be Four Gobos. The album would be In a Carrot Car. Yes. Here it is. <laughs> uh, I did not watch the first airing of this. I know that because it premiered on Christmas Eve 1984 on HBO. And that was the year my dad got a video camera in pretty much all of that Christmas Eve in my house was well documented. Uh, but HBO reran it every year through 1988, so I caught a rerun at some point. But I loved Fraggle Rock. I think my mom did. My father-in-law is a fan. And the first time I was over my wife's parents' house before we were married, her dad was watching Fraggle Rock, just DVDs of it. And that is when I realized, oh, I'm not going to have any trouble fitting in with my family. <laughs> have either of you watched this new series, Back to the Rock, on Apple TV Plus? Uh, I have not. Uh, we don't have Apple TV Plus. It's one of the few streaming services that we don't have or know someone who has. It is the absolute one that I do not subscribe to. I'm holding out as long as I can. I think the Godzilla series is going to break me. <laughs> but for the time being, no, I have not gotten to watch the new Fraggle series. I'm a few episodes in. I like it a lot. Uh, it's pretty faithful to its roots while also taking advantage of 40 years worth of technology. So while it's still mostly practical scenery and effects, you get some CGI here and there. My biggest takeaway of 40 years worth of new technology is that we see a lot more fraggle feet. (laughs) That's cool and weird at the same time. It it is. Yeah, no, that is my exact note on that. Uh, Red, for example, she's the athletic one. So she does a lot of flips and high dives off of tall doozer towers. Okay. But the Bells of Fraggle Rock was the first episode of the original show's third season, unless you watched it in the UK, where it aired as a special after season one. I don't know if you've ever seen British airings of Fraggle Rock, but Doc is not in those. Huh. They replaced Doc and the Doc segments with a lighthouse keeper who is simply known as the captain. Uh. Sprocket's still there. He's now this captain's dog, and they live in a lighthouse. Oh, good night, Sprocket. Oh, boy, <laughs> think I'm someone else? <laughs> <laughs> That's not far off, actually. It's really not. <laughs> ah, it's no use, Sprocket. I'm afraid the telephone lines are down. Well, oh. it'll be a poor Christmas without a Christmas dinner. Oh. Still, no, Sprocket, we must remember... It's Christmas Day. Let's have another carol, eh? Now, do they call it something like, you know, Rock Around the Fraggler or something like that over there? No, it's still Fraggle Rock. Everything else is the same except for those segments. (laughs) That's so weird. They redo the whole opening sequence by zooming in on this lighthouse, uh, which has a similar Fraggle hole in the wall. So according to Muppet Wiki, in this episode, the captain gives Sprocket a Christmas present while the two wait for their dinner to be delivered in the middle of a storm. But of course, here in the States, we had Doc the Inventor, played by Jerry Parks. Hello, Sprocket. How are you? 
Oh, I know. You do like Christmas, don't you? It's a wonderful time of the year, even if the days are getting shorter and colder. Have you ever seen Jerry Parks act in anything else? No, no, to my knowledge, I, I have not. I was going to say Sorry, Mary, Next Murder, but then I remember Mike Myers played his dad as well. So <laughs> uh, He has a bit part in the Boondock Saints as the bartender with Tourette Syndrome. Yep. Okay. Why don't you make like a tree and get the fraggle out of here? A little closer to home, have you ever seen An American Christmas Carol with Henry Winkler? Yes. Ooh, I probably have. Jerry Parks is in that as a character who later acts as the ghost of Christmas present. Huh. I've been saving that one for a future season because that's an odd one. That's a very odd one. Yeah. Uh, but Doc is got his workshop all decorated for Christmas. We open on a tree strung with popcorn and gold ornaments that are actually little shovels like you'd bring to the beach. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. I think there's a little broom up there. It's Doc's random tools you'd find in the workshop-themed Christmas tree. And before Doc comes in from the cold, we see Sprocket shaking a wrapped present, trying to figure out what's inside. And I think this is the first time I realized Sprocket has opposable thumbs. Hmm. Oh. I don't think I was conscious of that, even though I've watched Muppet Family Christmas every year for the last 35 years. <laughs> Of course, Rolf needs opposable thumbs to play the piano and other dog-like characters have them. But I didn't think about it for any of the Muppet dogs who behave more like traditional dogs. Like, Barkley doesn't have opposable thumbs. No, not at all. And I guess you would have to. I mean, it, the the and I know it's not just this episode. He probably has opposable thumbs all the time. But like the stick gag later doesn't work if he doesn't have opposable thumbs. No, yeah, that would have been another one where it's just like, hey, wait a minute. So, Mike. Yes. I was doing some research. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. And I don't know if you saw uh, Gerald Parks who played Doc. Um, you may have said it, but I was looking it up. You know what his character character's name in Boondock Saints was? It's Doc. Yeah. <laughs> so Sprocket here is performed by Steve Whitmire, who was also Wembley Fraggle, uh, with Karen Prell operating his right hand and tail. So Doc tells Sprocket today is December 21st, the winter solstice, and demonstrates with a globe ornament on the tree. Mm. He goes on to explain people have been holding festivals around the solstice for centuries, bringing up Saturnalia. First time that's come up in the podcast. But this is where I learned about stuff like that on these teaching segments from Fraggle Rock and shows like that. Yes. I loved this so much because... Uh, and I would have loved to have had this as a kid because uh, one of the things that I really like doing is when you get into the, the talk about the history of things, um, you know, like where Christmas came from and, and all that and, and, and why we celebrate it the way we celebrate. I like to understand the hows and whys of these things. Yeah. And so, like, as a kid, I would have loved to have understood that, yeah, Saturnalia existed long before any of this stuff. And we kind of, you know, the 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 Christians kind of stole Saturnalia and said, Oh no, this is Christmas now. Um, <laughs> Basically I, I would have, I would have loved to have had that, that bit of knowledge as a child. Uh, and this is the first time I could ever remember uh, the winter solstice or Saturnalia ever being in any kind of Christmas special. And I think that's great. 
Yeah, we need to bring that back. Uh, it, it's a very Jim Henson-y lesson for the kids. This kind mm-hmm. of educational moment was right up his alley. And to that point, this might be the only time I've seen any show targeted, at least in part, to children talk about Saturnalia at all and connect that mm-hmm. to Christmas. So nice work, Doc. Well, let's head down into Fraggle Rock, where they're getting ready to ring in the winter solstice, quite literally, with the Festival of the Bells. The Fraggles themselves are bundled up a bit more than usual in hats and or scarves. Uh, And there are a few decorations down there, mostly because it's so cold, everything's covered in icicles. But there are some touches of holly here and there. It's nice. It's simple. I tend to prefer simple. But I'll ask you, how big do you guys go when decorating for Christmas? <laughs> oh, Mike. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think we've had this discussion on on uh, past past uh, podcasts. Um, my house is Christmas 24-7, 365. Oh, that's it, right. You it, never took down Christmas your tree. tree the trees, The tree is still up. The lights have not been turned off. Uh, we actually add things. Nice. Um, I have I have a wall at this point uh, in my room of Christmas pops. Uh, this year they put out, uh, or last year I guess they put out uh, Disney themed uh, Christmas pop, uh, Funko pops. Uh, they did uh, gingerbread versions of the Marvel characters. I've I've kind of positioned them into a big wall that sits uh, on my dresser. <laughs> uh, I've got. Uh, an animatronic Harry Potter that sits in my kitchen, which isn't exactly Christmas, but I mean, the Harry Potter movies, some of the, the important stuff took place at Christmas. So it gets grandfathered in uh, it, it. It's on all the time. It acts as like the night light in the kitchen. Uh, we have garlands, we have wreaths, everything. My house has Christmas up 24 seven to the point that I'm actually kind of like wary about inviting people in because like we had a plumber had to come a few weeks ago and like, as soon as he walked in the door, the first thing I said is it's Christmas in this house all the time. And the guy's like, I don't care, dude. I'm just here to do my job. <laughs> but like for me, like the first thing I thought is God, this guy's going to think we're weirdos that we have all of this Christmas stuff still up. But no, that's I, so to say, I, I can't say we go all out de- decorating for Christmas because this is just our house. This is just right. what it's like all the time. <laughs> Tom, what about you? Uh, I should have gone first because I can't follow that up. Uh, I'm not going to top that. Oh, I can't either. Um, we, uh, like, you know, we do the tree in the window. My parents, like, the only thing we have that's year-round Christmas-wise is a few years back, like, the Elf on the Shelf, FYE, did a Krampus on the mantle. <laughs> My wife wanted to get that, and that is on our mantle year-round. And now that we're bringing a child in, into the world, I don't know what our plan is for that. <laughs> If they're going to um, do it, if they're going to do Krampus, they need you to find something that rhymed better with than mantle, like yeah, Krampus on the hampers or something. <laughs> my um, my parents though they went big for uh, Christmas, like house decorating lights. Um, there is my parents' house, our backyard, our shed, and then a parking lot to a diner, the Jersey Girl Diner, where uh, Jersey Girl was filmed. <laughs> And there's a tell my dad it used to be a tree, but my dad put in a telephone pole. And there was a wire hooked from the uh pole to our attic. And he would put on one of those big hollow plastic Santas in the sleigh with the reindeer. And he would do one of those. They would also do a snowman in the front yard. And house and lights, their Christmas tree in our back room was at least nine or ten feet tall. Oh wow. Covered in ornaments and 
Hallmark used to have a series called Here Comes Santa Claus and started, I want to say 19, the year my parents were married, it started. And each year it was like Santa in like a car that would be like Santa in a train. Each year was Santa in a different mode of transportation. Okay. And that was every year as a kid, I remember we used to get, they stopped in like 96 or 97. We would get one for my mom because she would love that series. And so the trees filled with those and filled with like, you know, stuff we made as kids. My mother has often said that our whole lot, her whole life is on that tree because it's ornaments from pretty much every year and stuff like that. So, so nice. Yeah. So, and there is a, okay. Um, one of the years it was him in a old timey looking biplane and to like the spirit of the North pole. And oh, she wow. makes sure that is the ornaments that that's the, the closest to the top every year. <laughs> of course, it has yep. to. Yeah. The, the ones that fly have to go at the top. They don't yes. make sense if you don't. Yeah. No, you get it. But yeah, so they do Christmas and like, so every other year, it used to be every year, but like then I moved up here. It was every other year. Uh, we go down to my parents and we spend Christmas Eve there. You know, we wake up and we do like Christmas morning there. And like, you know, it's all nice and cozy. My mom gets us PJs every year. Even if we're not down there, she'll mail them up to us. And, you know, it's, it, I always like Christmas time. Uh, anyway, Fraggle Rock. <laughs> well, just to, and, and I swear I'm not like trying to one up you here. I, I promise. But there's a little piece that, of my neuroses that I feel like I should share uh, because it's, I, I think it's hilarious. Uh, so my work, I work at a library and uh, things have, have kind of changed in the last few years. We used to be able to decorate for Christmas. And now uh, with the way that the, the general consensus of the public has kind of gone, we feel like, you know, you, we, we can't celebrate everybody's holidays. So we won't celebrate any holidays. Okay. Uh, all of the Christmas trees and stuff that we had in storage, they've started kind of trying to get rid of those to clear up space. Uh-oh. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, my boss came to me and was like, we're clearing this out. Do you, do you, to your, take what you want. Okay. I could not bring myself to let them throw stuff out. Mm-hmm. So for the last three weeks or so, uh, I've been driving around with a Christmas tree in the back of my car. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just a big fake Christmas tree ornaments and lights still on it. Let me ask this, Donnie. Where, where are you from? Uh, Southern Maryland. Okay. Are you going to be known as the Christmas tree guy? Probably, <laughs> probably. <laughs> now you got to keep it in there. The one saving grace is that my windows are tinted, and I swear uh-huh. the, the tree is going to come out at some point. It's not like I enjoy it. We just we have so much Christmas stuff, we don't have a place to put it right. Right. Now. So, so I, we're trying to figure out where we can put it to store it. I think the plan is that when we get closer to the actual season, we're going to put it out on the front porch and have like a nice little outside display. Nice. But yeah, for now. Uh, my decoration love goes so deep that I've actually dry. I've got a Christmas tree riding shotgun in my car. So very nice. This is something I forgot to bring up. I'm sorry, Mike. We're hijacking this with. Uh, oh, it's Christmas fine. Stories. In Philly, have you ever done Philly at Christmas time, Donnie? I have not. In May, it, it's the John Wanamaker building on 13th and Market. Mike, you know what I'm talking about, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. They have a light show on the inside that is about. Would you say it's like five, six stories high? At least or bigger. Okay. Big Christmas tree lights. They've been doing it since the fifties. My dad saw it when he was a kid. He brought me when I was a kid last year, 2020 uh, COVID and everything was the only year I've missed it since I was a baby. Now on the third floor, this used to be, there used to be a straw down the street that closed. They have a walkthrough of a Christmas carol. 
like, oh, you know, yeah. dummies and stuff like yes. that. Yes. And it is creepy. And it scared the <laughs> crap out of me as a kid. And so it's kind of unsettling. But it's like, you know, like they're like, like the like dolls that like yep. move around. Yeah. That's my Harry Potter in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, that's creepy. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, you got to check it out some year if you love Christmas. Yeah, we, uh, I, I'm, what I, so what I'm hearing is a uh, podcast field trip and, uh, Christmas of uh, 2023. We all go to Philly. We meet Lauren. up and we, uh, we sing the Peanuts song at the uh, the Philly uh, Christmas Perfect. light show. <laughs> uh, I didn't put up lights on my house this year. The lights we had were garland lights and they were getting old and I wasn't really happy with how they looked. So we just got rid of them and I decided, let's see what it looks like if we just put out our lawn decorations. And those are just Ooh. white cutouts of the word joy and the letter O is a silhouette of the nativity. Oh, and then we have two cut out angels with trumpets on either side. And I have some solar powered lights to shine on them at night. Uh, and then we have a little sago palm and a shorter squat little palm tree. That's about seven or eight feet tall that we put ornaments on. Maybe I'll get lights for that next year, but I was way happier with that being the focus of my outdoor decorations this year and yeah. nothing else. Sometimes you got to keep it simple. Yeah. It's just, it's so much, it's so, and I hate to sound lazy, but it's so much work getting the lights up and stringing them and making them look perfect. Like, I almost feel like I wouldn't be able to enjoy it. So yeah, no, I, right. I mean, maybe order some of those, uh, the, the thing that I keep in my, my room at all times, the, uh, the, the solar powered thing that you stick in the ground and it's got the lasers that shoot out the, the green and, and red. Oh yeah. I've seen those. House. Yeah. My neighbor's got one. Possibly. Uh, but simple seems to be the consensus as far as decorating goes in Fraggle Rock. But everybody seems to be excited for the upcoming festival, except Gobo. Something's really bothering Gobo. And it basically gets down to why is any of this important? Almost time for the Festival of the Bells. What's the point? Gobo is the guy from Christmas Shoes at this point <laughs> in the story. He's like, he's out there. He's like, Guys, I'm going to find this bell. Like, he's so much the guy from Christmas Shoes at this point in the story. That, like, that's all I could think about was that stupid song. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, that's Gobo right now. I didn't mean for that to happen. I'm sorry. I don't want to wish Christmas Shoes on anybody. <laughs> But Gobo and his group of friends have a specific part to play in the Bell Festival. Together, they'll be wearing the traditional costume of the Weeba Beast. Weeba, Weeba! Weeba, Weeba! Weeba, Weeba! Weeba Beast! Weeba, Weeba! A uh, quick favorite fraggle, Tom. Um, I'm going with uh, Boober. <laughs> That's a good pick. I'm going with Wembley because he's yep. a mix of uh, Chuckles from G.I. Joe yes. and uh, two and a half era, two and a half men era Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah, mine is also Wembley. Always has been. I like that he's still wearing his Hawaiian shirt over a sweater. I've tempted to do that on colder days, but it would not look nearly as good on me as it does on Wembley. So well done, Wembley. Plus, he has the best line of, of the entire intro. Well, we're ready to rehearse. Mm, speak for yourself, Wimbley. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I like the Weaver Beast tradition almost as much as I like ringing a bell. Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess I will. He takes it so literally. <laughs> yeah. And then just, he speaks for himself. He does. 
No, I would say though, um, Gobo is the Fraggle though. Like you know how Kermit is the Muppet. Oh yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I thought I'd try that. That's all right. Wembley arrives to Weeba Beast practice with a still depressed Gobo. Even Boober's excited about the Weeba Beast. A rare showing of excitement by Boober. The best part of being part of the Weeba Beast is that the costume is so nice and warm. They all rehearse their silly dance, but Gobo's really not feeling it. But let's talk about this Weeba Beast costume. It is amazing. It's yes. Fantastic. It's like, I'm like, oh, that's an amazing costume, even though there are Muppets and things that are like totally super cool and being like remotely controlled and stuff like that. But they're kind of neat. And this costume shows up and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> that's amazing. It's the best Chinese dragon that's not a Chinese dragon. <laughs> yes. It's very similar to a Chinese dragon with a bunch of people under it in line. But the face of this thing, it's got angry ping pong ball eyes and crooked teeth. They look like clothespins. Maybe that's why Boober's so excited. He got to incorporate laundry into the Weeba Beast costume. (laughs) If it's been a while or it's been never, laundry is Boober's favorite hobby. Oh, that explains so much. Yes. See, I didn't know that. Like... This this being the first uh, now now the the mittens bit later makes way more sense to me. Yep, Boober's the one at the end of the theme song who says "Down on Fraggle Rock." Bam. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, I remember they had these on video, and I remember at the end of the commercial for the videos, it might have been or maybe like a commercial on a video before another movie. There was a kid who did that down at Fraggle Rock at the end. Like Boober, and for some reason, I did not like that kid at all. Like, you ever watch commercials and like just like don't like the oh, kids yeah. in them? Oh, the one that comes, the one that comes to mind is the kid in the black hair and the pink shirt from the uh, Skip It commercial from 1989. <laughs> what? What's wrong with the Skip It guy? I don't know. I, I think this is the second time I brought up this commercial in podcast appearances. I can't stand the kid in the. Um, Crispy Critters commercial who couldn't say the word indubitably. Like, it's not that hard. No, indubitably. Indubitably. The kid's like, indubitably. Indubitably. Ah, what he said. It's not that hard. There's also the snowman kid from the Campbell's Soup commercial. Oh, he didn't do anything wrong. He was just cold. He was out there long enough to turn into a snowman. He got the snow all over the head. Yeah, well, when you're fault. a little kid, you want to be outside that long. I get it. I can relate. He's living the dream. That's right. I know which kid you're talking about, the Fraggle Rock one. He turns off and he's like, I love Fraggle Rock. And I'm like, time to read. Do I have to? Okay, that's what I was from. Yeah. I, well, but yeah, and the, and the commercial was for they have Fraggle Rock books. So I, that's going to be our commercial break. Down at Fraggle Rock. Down at Fraggle Rock. I love Fraggle Rock. Chris, why don't you read something? Do I have to? Well, dinner's not ready for an hour. But the Fraggles are really fun. Reading can be as enjoyable as watching Fraggle Rock on TV with the new Fraggle Rock Club. Jim Henson's family of Muppets make reading fun for your three to seven-year-old. Call and get What's a Fraggle on 10-day approval for $4.98 postage paid, a free book, and these gifts. If you keep What's a Fraggle, we'll send two books about every six weeks at $4.98 postage paid per book. 
After four shipments, you may cancel. But Fraggles loves to read. Oh, he's finally found books he really likes. Discovering the Fraggle Rock Club is a terrific idea. Call the Fraggle Rock Club now. 1-800-268-6364. Ask for Department L. McDonald's presents... <laughs> Great news, Fraggles! Greater than a one Fraggle ping pong game? Greater than laundry? Tell me, Gobo. No, let me guess. No, tell me! Ah! It says... Kids get one of four Fraggle Rock toys when their parents buy them a McDonald's Happy Meal featuring Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock. There's Red Fraggle in a radish, Gobo in a carrot, Moki in an eggplant, or Boober and Wembley in a pickle. I think I'll capture that news in something arty. But first, let's party! Hooray! But in this episode, it's Gobo's turn to hate fun things. <laughs> Mike, I gotta say, your uh, your transitions your transitions are A plus tonight. By Thank the way. you. <laughs> Just A plus stuff. <laughs> And right on cue, the fraggle horn sounds from the Great Hall, signaling the arrival of Cantus, the traveling minstrel. We'll get to it in a minute, but first, it's time to learn about the legend of the Great Bell. We learn from Gobo and Wembley that the Great Bell rings once a year when Fraggle Rock gets colder and slows down, and that's what keeps the rock from stopping altogether and becoming frozen forever. Wait a minute, Frozen Forever? That's in the Christmas toy, too. Uh Uh-oh. You're getting ahead of my notes, Mike. What is it with Jim Henson and the threat of being frozen forever? I I made that, I swear to God, I made that note down here, is uh, reference to Christmas story, or um, Christmas toy, question mark? Yeah. uh, I, I mean, and this is more literally Frozen, like, Covered in ice, yes. Frozen, frozen. Than it is uh, the theoretical can't move because you know I'm dead. Frozen from the Christmas toy, but still, like it, it's was this his way to to introduce death to kids? Like mm-hmm. when you're dead, you can't move, and so you're essentially frozen forever. Is this Jim Henson equating death for children on a very uh, abstract, easier to understand basis for them. It's very similar. I think it is. It's very similar to that. This is more of a losing your soul or losing yourself sort yeah. of frozen forever than the Christmas toy. But I mean, it's a little of the same. Uh, but people love to theorize that Walt Disney's frozen somewhere underneath a theme park. Jim Henson's terrified of the thought. <laughs> <laughs> That seems to be his metaphor for the absence of love. Some real ninth circle of hell imagery here from Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to a Christmas toy, that's one of those pieces where in the late 90s, early to mid aughts was one of those lost media pieces in the like earliest days of the internet. Not for me. I had it on tape. Really? Oh, yeah. Because uh, I remember. And I, I may or may not have taken a copy out of the library and just not returned it for a really long time. Yeah, this is mine now. Are you, are you at the library because you work there because you never returned that tape and so you're paying off the debt of uh, never returning that tape? Uh, next question, please. <laughs> <laughs> so the Great Bell is said to be located at the heart of the rock. And here's where Gobo's big problem comes in. He's skeptical about the Great Bell because he's never actually seen it. 
You can take this as deep as you'd like, but this is a very Christmassy storyline. The old seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing, as the Santa Claus put it. So that's what we're in for, friends. But, you know, for me, it feels a little it feels different because, yes, there's the whole, you know, the uh, Polar Express. If you believe then the bell, you'll always hear the bell. There's this is very much christian christmas like oh yeah they're doing religion without expressly doing religion and they they're doing it in a very palatable way so even if you weren't even if you were kind of put off by by christianity like it's not gonna offend you it's it's gonna be something that you can still kind of relate to but it's very that undercurrent of of the the bell and the rock being being christian aspects uh, of aspects of the christian religion are very clear, at least to me. Oh, yeah. On the drive home, Gobo's point to Wembley, he takes out a map of the entire rock that he found in a file marked very old stuff, which I think I have a few boxes in the back of my closet labeled that. (laughs) I have a folder of bookmarks of very old internet stuff. Uh, But I like this map. It's essentially a big maze of big outlines at the center of which Wembley notices is a large cave shaped like a bell. (gasps) I don't know how Gobo missed that when it's exactly the shape of the thing he was looking for. Uh, But it's put him in a much better mood. But no time for that now because Red returns and drags him off to the festival. And we cut to the Great Hall, where despite Gobo's several attempts to leave, Red forces him to stay as Cantus the Minstrel arrives and leads all the Fraggles in a song called There's a Promise. And, and I got to say, I love Red here when she comes in and drags him off because she's like, what are you guys doing? And uh, Wembley's like, oh, Gobo doesn't want to go. And she's like, you didn't use the right argument. And then drags him off. She doesn't even know what argument he used. It's just like, nothing you say <laughs> is going to matter. You're going and that's it. And I love the line, you didn't use the right argument there because she doesn't even know what argument it was. So yeah, Red's Red's great here. <laughs> Thoughts on this song? It's a nice little d- ditty. It, yeah. Muppet Y for Muppets uh, TV. Yeah. It's a good one. It, technically, it's really uh, impressive. I say this from a musician standpoint, you know, uh, that I like the layering. Like, I like the way they do the, you know, they do the, the lyrics of the song and then they bring in like the, the callbacks in the background and they mm-hmm. layer it really well. Um, it, it's like, if you look at it, it's just the, the, the verse there's nothing there's nothing you know incredibly special about it but when they bring in all that other stuff the way that they record it and the way that they uh mix it down and everything it's really well done it's yeah. it's really a nice little christmas song i think it's good enough to have on a playlist oh yeah uh i love the music of fraggle rock they do this sort of stuff all the time they love to go big with their songs and this is no exception it's a great obscure holiday song that's not explicitly a christmas song but you can work it into a Christmas playlist as a treat. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Cantus, he's one of only a couple of fraggles performed by Jim Henson. He sounds a little like a more whimsical version of, of Rolf. I always thought, you know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Yep, it's definitely Rolf's voice. W- with a hint of Waldorf in there. I am happy to be here with you today for the Festival of the Bells, the most wondrous of all Fraggle celebrations. I think uh, whenever Henson was like a non-Kermit uh, Muppet, he would always go towards Rolf. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's got that voice, and then he's got the Link Hogthrob voice, which I believe Brian Henson has uh, described as his dad voice. When he's doing things, I think Brian Henson said, when he's doing things like carving the turkey, he sounds like Link Hogthrob. I'm like, oh, I will carve the turkey. <laughs> but yeah, Rolf is his, uh, Rolf and Dr. Teeth are kind of his authority figures, or like that. that's the voice he likes to put on for characters like Cantus. Uh, this is Cantus's third of just five appearances during the show's run. His deal is he's learned to be in tune with his inner song, and his name is the Latin word for song. Mm-hmm. So Cantus explains how the Festival of the Bells works. All the Fraggles in the Rock ring bells of their own at the same time, and that wakes up the Great Bell. And nobody's frozen forever. Yay! Ooh. Cute story. My favorite part of this was uh, Gobo trying to interrupt and Cantus basically wasn't, he wasn't like rude to him. He wasn't like Gobo, shut up. He was, <laughs> he was like, Nope, you're going to wait. I'm going to finish talking and then you may have your turn. And Gobo is still trying to interrupt because Gobo in this particular story is either an atheist or a vegan, one of the two. and can't <laughs> wait to tell you about his thoughts. And um. You know, he's Cantus has a very, a really nice, even uh, response to him. And I think it would be great. Like, to me, this is like the response that all, and not to get too preachy and too religious-y, but I figure since this is clearly a, a, a religious allegory, kind of, it's it's apropos. But to me, like, Cantus's response should be exactly what you do, what you have when you run into somebody who doesn't believe the same things you do. Like, we're having a great time. We're going to have a great time. You don't like the great thing that we're doing? That's, you know, I understand that. That's that's great. You got to go do your thing. You can do the thing that you enjoy. We're going to keep having a good time. And if you would like to join us, we would love that. Right. He never makes Gobo feel like an idiot. No, no. He, he doesn't stop Gobo. Ooh. He doesn't make him feel down or anything. So here's where Gobo asks Cantus if he's ever actually seen the Great Bell. And here is where I realized who Cantus reminds me of. It's another wise figure from 1984 who seems to teach in riddles. Cantus reminds me of Mr. Miyagi. Oh. Yes. We see with our eyes. We know with our hearts. Outside. Inside. You could dub that into the Karate Kid and no one would notice. Mm-hmm. And like Daniel LaRusso, Gobo isn't satisfied with Cantus's answer, so he tells everyone, Well, I've got a better answer. I'm going to bring you the great bell of Fraggle Rock. Why do you want to look for something that's so easily found? So I can see it and, and, and show everybody that it really exists. So this holiday will mean something. Oh, what a jerk. <laughs> Yeah, they'll make Gobo look stupid. He's got he does pretty good doing that on his own. Yeah. 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 I mean, Cantus is kind of speaking in riddles here, but it's sort of the thing where you need to actually listen to what he's saying. He says more than once, you'll find the great bell at the heart of the rock, but it might not be where Gobo thinks. But Gobo's got his map, assures his friends he won't be gone long. 
and makes them promise to wait for him to get back before starting the festival, which is a big ask, Gobo. Yeah. So this is where like two things pop up that I that I don't get. Number one, what happened to the Weeble Beast? Hey, yeah. Like the in the story, he says the Weeble Beast protected the rock or protected the bell when the rock was small. Then the rock got bigger, and we just don't ever return to what happened to the Weeble Beast. No. Did did it get too big for the Weeble Beast? Did the Weeble Beast get old and and pass on? Freeze, if you will. Like what happened to the Weeba Beast? Now I want to know what happened to the Weeba Beast. Tell us that story. <laughs> I'm guessing it was just a long time ago and the Weeba Beast succumbed to old age. Yeah, I just you feel like I feel like the Weeba Beast would have passed on his his duties yeah. to somebody else. Yeah, there's there's a big piece missing there. I guess, you know, they they maybe that's the whole make a costume of the Weeba Beast thing. It's like we we must now play the role of the Weeba Beast. It is our job now. <laughs> the real Weeba Beast was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Guess what? It's you. We're dressed up in Weeba Beast costumes. Yep. I don't think Gobo means to be a jerk here, but he's out here telling everyone you have to go find this bell for yourself or any of what anyone's doing to have any meaning, but don't start without me. Shut up, Gobo. <laughs> Going Gobo. He drives off his carrot car. <laughs> <laughs> mushrooms that are definitely not cookies. Oh. Well, meanwhile, up in Doc's workshop, he's reading up on wintertime festivals from around the world, and he wants to celebrate them all, and I want more of that. Just give me an episode of just Doc and Sprocket hitting every December holiday. Yep. Although, I can say as a dog owner that uh, giving the dog the stick that is not like, I, yes, I understand that they're not actual, it's not an actual dog, but if you give a dog a stick, that dog's going to be down the block with that stick before <laughs> the man even turns around with the blindfold. Yeah. So expecting him to stop and hit the pinata, that ain't happening. Yeah. So our focus is on Doc teaching Sprocket about the pinata because it's a 25 minute show. So we don't get to linger too long on this idea. So Doc gives Sprocket the stick to hit the pinata with. Yes, let me give the dog with opposable thumbs a large stick and blindfold him just to see what happens. Should be fine. Seems to me, Sprocket, there's an oriental winter solstice tradition similar to breaking the pinata. I'll try and find it here. True, Sprocket. Some primitive tribes bang pots and pans to make the sun rise. That's hardly the same as the pinata tradition. <laughs> and again, we don't see a lot of diversity here. There's a nativity scene in the background, and there's a pair of wooden shoes on Doc's workbench. Have you ever done St. Nicholas Day? No. St. Nicholas Day? I don't. What is St. Nicholas Day? St. Nicholas Day, his feast day is December 6th, and that kind of merged in with the whole Santa Claus thing as you would leave your shoes out and Santa would put a gift in your shoes. Uh, we never did that. I know people who do and their kids put their shoes out on the night of December 5th. They get them filled with goodies, see them all over my Facebook timeline and they go, oh yeah, that happens. <laughs> I love Doc. So worldly, so eager to learn about the world around him and yet so oblivious to what's right under his nose. <laughs> and speaking of what's right under his nose, we head back down to Fraggle Rock. 
which is getting even colder now, and Red in particular is annoyed that Gobo had to go get his great bell quest and make them all wait for him. But Cantus tells her, we do the things we have to do when we have to do them, not sooner, not later. It was at this point, I gotta ask, is Moki supposed to be representing seasonal depression? Because, like, there's a couple lines where I'm worried about the well-being of Moki in this yeah. thing. Because at this point, she says, Gee, I wonder what it's like being frozen forever. And it's like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Moki. Moki is, uh, she's the new age fraggle. All right. Yeah, definitely. So that's very much a Moki line. Okay. But yeah, I could use that reminder every now and again. We do the things we have to do when we have to do them. That's a very Jim Henson philosophy, I think. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it's its take on something similar to everything happens when it's supposed to happen. This makes mm-hmm. that concept a little more active and less passive. We do the things we have to do when we have to do them. There's actually doing involved. So I appreciate that. As we know, we do or do not. There is no trouble. (laughs) And Boober sounding a lot more like himself now quips. I wonder what it's like to feel your hands and feet. (laughs) Uh, And here's where Red has had quite enough and makes to leave and find Gobo to bring him back, whether he likes it or not. But Cantus stops her, saying the caverns are too cold for them. He'll go find Gobo himself. So off he goes, without his mittens, as Boober points out. Too late for those now, we cut to Gobo briefly, who's not bothered by the cold yet, and is actually excited at the thought of finding the Great Bell and getting the festival started, completely oblivious to the fact that his friends are close to freezing to death waiting for him huddled together in the Weeba Beast costume around the smallest fire. So, Cantus tells them, you have to stay here because the tunnels are much too cold. Cantus and Gobo go into the tunnels and are perfectly fine. They all stay there and freeze to death. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand how temperature works in Fraggle Rock and where the freezing starts and stops. Clearly, they don't either. Clearly. Like, I think if, like, you know, Gobo would be the first to die from extreme cold because he's, like, the weakest. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're going farther underground. I never really... Someone's got to map that out better. Is So, the only thing I could come up with is that it's a movement thing. Like, they stayed in the same place. They didn't move. And so, they froze. Ooh. Cantus and, and Gobo were moving at all times. So, did they... Did their body... Body moving, keep the <laughs> not the ninety song. Uh, did did they did that keep their their blood moving, whatever? And that's why they didn't freeze. And the Muppets, sorry, Fraggles that stayed They're in the Muppets. same place. Did did they freeze because they stayed still? Like I, I don't know. Well, it's, that does make a lot of sense when we figure out how the Great Bell works. So yes. put a pin on that, kids. Uh, but first, I'm no expert on campfires, but it seems like they use too many sticks and they're smothering that flame. So they're not helping themselves there either. They're not. They're fraggles, not Boy Scouts, Mike. Come on. Yeah, well, I guess not. 
Uh, but we not so smoothly transition to what else can we do while we wait for Gobo to, I know, let's read a postcard from his uncle traveling Matt. Was this like a weekly thing? Like This was a weekly, weekly thing. Okay. Yes, this happens right. every episode. I figured. It's Gobo's uncle traveling Matt. Uh, they were my favorite part of Fraggle Rock. I feel like I get the most joy out of the Muppets when they're interacting with at least one human. <laughs> Especially when the human doesn't know what's going on. Right. Uh, Uncle Traveling Matt is performed by Dave Goles, who is still Uncle Traveling Matt in Back to the Rock, but only his voice this time. Other people are doing the puppetry for this one. He's kind of the elder statesman of the Muppeteers. So, yeah, give the man a break. Uh, But here, Uncle Traveling Matt is observing a family of silly creatures celebrating Christmas disguised as a wrapped present under the tree. Let the celebration begin. But none of our traditions were observed. Instead, some silly creatures appeared, left milk and cookies to cook by the fire, and hung their clothes in the living room. I'm going to have to go back and look, but are those the Jones kids from Christmas Toy? They're not. Uh, 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 That girl looked exactly the same to me. You know, they might be. They're not credited. But uh, this is two years before the Christmas Toy, so I'm not sure. It's definitely not the same room, obviously, for people who haven't watched. Oh, for this. sure, yeah. for sure. No, yeah, definitely a different living room. But they looked yeah. like the the what they showed of those kids. I was like, that looks like the same kids from Christmas Story. It could be, but it also could be because, like, at any given time, I'm thinking about the Christmas Story. So. <laughs> right. I mean, every kid in the '80s on Christmas Eve is kind of dressed the same in those jammies. Yeah. So. So Uncle Matt watches as a couple of kids, quote, leave milk and cookies to cook by the fire and hang their clothes in the living room. Then after the silly creatures leave, he pokes his head out of the wrapped box and starts eating their cookies. Santa's going to be so confused. Yep. But he does have my favorite line of the segment with, is this any way to run a holiday? Which (laughs) I think I'm going to insert into my vernacular at this point for literally anything like when somebody does something i don't understand or don't like i'm just going to ask them is that any way to run a holiday (laughs) because you run holidays the kids will be happy because they got a brand new uncle traveling matt hey uh, as a present (laughs) it's true yeah you can't find those on shelves even back then uh but but that's the postcard it hasn't really cheered up anyone and it's getting colder and here's when it hit me oh no no one knows it yet. This is a dry run for the series finale of Dinosaurs. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, um, oh, don't make me think of that. <laughs> uh, Mike, do not tell uh, Chad Young about that because he does not like that last episode. <laughs> it's, well, no one it's, does. Uh, he really hates it. If you haven't seen the end of Dinosaurs, I'm going to spoil it for you. It ends with the dinosaurs creating a nuclear winter, causing the ice age and bringing about their own extinction. It's much less the Fraggles fault here, but indeed we see red reach for her bell only for her arm to freeze. So here comes the end of the rock as they know it. I'm so glad I didn't watch this as a child. Like I, I would get very upset when the characters I enjoyed uh, were in scenarios like this 
Uh, there's an episode of the Smurfs where they all get hypnotized by Gargamel's flute oh, and they're yeah. all like basically marching to their death. Yep. And it it's like I'm 40 and that one episode sticks with me. It's so suspenseful. Yeah, I know exactly what you're is. talking about. So between between her arm freezing and then later on when they cut back to her and there's no pupils in her eyes because she's frozen solid. Right. Like this is this would be very upsetting for a small child. Yeah, that's what makes it creepy. As these fraggles start to freeze like their pupils go white. Yeah. Which just makes it terrifying, too. Uh, And Gobo still slowly trudging along to the center of the rock, loses his map and is hanging onto an icicle for dear life, and that's when Cantus appears in a bright light and a crack of thunder? Is Cantus Gandalf the White? <laughs> he might be. <laughs> he tells Gobo, listen, and we hear what Gobo thinks is a bell tingling, but is actually an old metal ring clanging against a rock wall. It appears to be a handle, and Gobo believes the great bell is behind it, so he pulls it and falls on top of him to reveal nothing. <laughs> You're so stupid! <laughs> An empty black cave to match the now empty black hole in Gobo's heart. The the best part of this is when Gobo's pulling on the ring, and he turns around to Camp or, uh, Cantus and says, Aren't you going to help me? And Cantus's delivery of the line, I just did. It's so indignant. (laughs) I cackled watching it because you can tell he's just absolutely had enough. And it's driven home by the, uh, the the cut when he's pulling on it after he says I just did they cut to this just deadpan look on Cantus's face and you can tell he's just I've had enough of you Gobo please <laughs> can we just go home I tried to warn you but yeah his delivery <laughs> his delivery of I just did yes. is outstanding <laughs> so now convinced there's no great bell a disheartened Gobo follows Cantus back to the great hall to find the rock has indeed come to a stop and all his friends are frozen and covered in icicles. This is just a horrifying scene even now as an adult. I don't even remember how I felt as a kid. I must have been dumbfounded and perhaps blocked it out. Uh, And again, I want to compare this to the Christmas toy. Both have scenes in which we see a character become frozen, presumably forever at first. (laughs) Yeah, this scene is like pure nightmare fuel. Uh, yeah. So which one is a heavier, more frightening moment for the two of you? Uh, as terrifying as this is, uh, I have to go Christmas Christmas toy because of the fact that with Christmas toy, they show them dragging off the lifeless toys and throwing them in a pile <laughs> in a shallow right. grave yes, yeah. of other frozen toys like it it's to me that has always been very upsetting plus ah, i I don't know something about this like i never really felt like they weren't going to be brought back to life whereas with the christmas toy uh when when they both the how which toys are which toys die Uh, you and dits yeah you and dits when Mew and Ditz both go, like, to me, I, I thought they were done for, for good. So, yeah, I got to go Christmas toy. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm going this. Um, this was scarier because Christmas toy, all the, like, things that happened to that just made me sad. But this one, like, like would give me nightmares. 
And like, you know, I'd wake up pants crap and leave my, my wife would be like, what's wrong, honey? And, you know, I'm like, oh, fraggles, <laughs> fraggles, man. <laughs> it's a toss up for me. And the Christmas toy, we actually see Dit's body go limp and fall to the floor. And that's its own special nightmare. Uh, but here, Gobo first finds Boober and he's covered in icicles. And that's concerning. But we don't ever see Boober's eyes. Then we see Moki and her eyes are wide open and that glazed over almost white. And that was more of a shocker to me than watching dicks just collapse. That dead zombie stare on Moki's face messed me up. You know what I think would have helped drive home the weight of this would have been uh, a different musical choice. I don't think the musical choice in um in, in with the Fraggles is as dark and as dire as the musical choice in Christmas Toy. Yeah. Um so I think that like maybe that's what did it for me. And also maybe it's because I watched this for the first time when I was 40 years old. I you know that's <laughs> maybe I'm poisoning the well a little bit here. But, a little of column A, a little of column B. Yeah. Uh it's less of a blow when we see those glazed eyes on red and then Wembley. By the time we see Wembley, it's less impactful. Maybe it's his Hawaiian shirt. I don't know. But now Gobo's devastated and demands to know from Cantus how this happened. We didn't get back in time and they didn't have their festival. But what does that matter if there's no great bell? And Cantus asks him, are you sure? Yeah, you were there, went to the center of the rock and found nothing. And here's where Cantus first notes the difference between the center of the rock and the heart of the rock. Did Cantus know this was going to happen? Did he tell them to stay as like a test of faith kind of thing? Oh, dear. Do you mean, does he know that they would get frozen? Yeah, did he know that the, by them staying that he was going that they were going to freeze, but that he would get Gobo and that Gobo would come back and he'd be able to bring them back? I don't know. That's a good question. I perhaps you'd think they'd give him warning. So uh, yeah, maybe that. Oof. I mean, this is probably not the first non-believer that Cantus has ever dealt with. Probably not. He's an old fraggle. <laughs> he's he's seen some stuff. He probably has to deal with this like every year or two. Yeah. So he had to have known this was going to happen. And everyone just forgets, like maybe once a generation. I don't know how old Cantus is, but perhaps he's I seen think, this before. Yeah, I think Cantus knew it was going to happen. Like he's like, he's like, this is the young, dumb Fraggle. Yeah. He knows what's going on. And that's why he told them to stay because he knew he couldn't teach Gobo the lesson unless he came back and found them all frozen. That is dark, man. It's very dark. Cantus is like, you know what? I need to teach Gobo a lesson. You guys got to stay here and die a little bit, but it's okay. We'll bring you back. Oh, those other 99 sheep can freeze to death. <laughs> Gotta save the one, man. <laughs> well, Gobo doesn't catch on as quickly as we, the audience, hopefully did of the difference between the center and the heart of the rock. He explains last year there was no bell in that cave and the rock didn't freeze. So what's different this time? What's different, Gobo realizes, is that they didn't ring their bells. So Gobo picks his up and starts ringing it. Oh, but what good does ringing bells do? There's no great bell at the center of the rock. But there is a great bell at the heart of the rock. Wimbly? And finally, finally, Gobo gets it 
and its friends begin to unthaw. Finally, the rock has come back to Fraggle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> but the rock is cooking. I was waiting for that. I, I I was trying to let it fit in organically and not force it. <laughs> I think that's why I wrote finally, two finally twice. Yeah. You give me two finally. There so it I'm is. Gonna take it. The rock has come back from freezing to death. <laughs> and Gobel finally realizes the great bell is his bell and everyone's bells together that make the great bell. Uh, it's their music that keeps Fraggle Rock alive. Sounds like that should be a hairband song. Keep the rock alive, baby. <laughs> As everyone starts to ring their bells, the lights get a lot warmer in color, too. And we start to hear their echoes creating the sound of the great bell, which I thought was a nice touch. But then as that low, deep, great bell got louder, it started to remind me of the Garfield Halloween special and the clock striking midnight. Mm. Mm. It's not the same yep. sound bite, but it's close. Yeah, close enough. Too close for comfort. At, at this point, like, I was too focused. Like, I had noticed that because I was too focused on, like, the different responses that the Fraggles had to coming back to life. Um, because I thought that was interesting that each one of them had a response that was kind of emblematic of their character. Mm -hmm. um, except for Moki, who sounded like Paul Bearer. <laughs> well, that when bell comes, did kind of sound like the Undertaker's bell, she, too, now that you mention it. When, no, it's true. The Undertaker's thong. When when she comes back, she goes, oh, yes. <laughs> so, like, the first thing that popped into my mind was, of course, Paul Bearer. <laughs> Very appropriate for a happy, cheerful ending to a Fraggle Rock holiday episode. Right. The Undertaker's Paul and Moki is Paul Bear. That's fine. No, I'll be here for it. And the echoing bells of Fraggle Rock transition to the echoing church bells outside Doc's workshop. I appreciated that segue back upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like a good segue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to find Sprocket still blindfolded and trying to hit that pinata. Inadvertently hits a bell, but mm. finally gets it to reveal dog bones for him and a pair of nice looking purple mittens for Doc. Because this special needed more mittens. That's right. Always need more mittens. <laughs> yes. Uh, but that's really it. Doc rings us out with a Merry Christmas to Sprocket, and then we get a very special credit sequence in this episode. Usually, Fraggle Rock ends with a reprise of the theme song, and Gobo and Wembley are kind of scatting along to it. But not here. We get all the Fraggles, Cantus included, singing a reprise of There's a Promise. And it's a really great ending to this short but very impactful special. I loved it. It's going to enter my rotation from now on. Nice. It's a good one. It's good. It's all Muppety. I like it. Yeah. So this is the first of only three episodes to have a different ending sequence. Uh, later, there was one called The River of Life, in which Doc briefly allows a group of engineers to dump what turns out to be toxic waste into the caves under his workshop until he realizes, hey, wait, something must be alive down there. Let's not pollute their home. They sing a different song at the end of that. And then there's a special version of the theme song to end the series finale in which Doc finally meets the something alive down there. 
But any final thoughts on the Bells of Fraggle Rock? I would like very much for them. You know how Sesame Street does the uh, the parodies of the uh, of like big name properties, like they did True Mud. Yeah. When uh, yeah, so uh, I'd like them to uh, bring Cantus back to do a cameo as uh, a parody of the uh, Glorious Gemstones. <laughs> like make him a, a fraggle creature. Like maybe do the glorious M stones, and they're just big giant letter M's made out of rock. And like I don't know, give give Grover a gang of muscle men or something. I don't know. Perfect. But like I would love to see Cantus return to the Sesame Street canon and be brought back doing his uh, his spiritual leader, really Zen kind of kind of character. Uh, I think kids need it. I think I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cantus 24 or whatever. Yeah, I I, I'm not too far into this new Back to the Rock series, but I hope he shows up. Um, it would have to be a, a different voice actor, obviously. So I'm obviously. not sure whether or not, I don't know how they deal with those sort of characters that Jim Henson has done. But I mean, I, Kerman and Rolf are still going strong. So exactly. Perhaps. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was a bit weird having no Gorgs in the episode, though. Yeah. That was a plus for me. I hated them. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. I hated them so much. Like the 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 really affected and, voice. It just, oh, God, they annoyed me. They scared me as a kid. Oh, and, they did? Like, I mean, it's, oh, yeah. But I mean, because they were trying to get the Fraggles. Yeah. But, but I mean, Junior was just my favorite, so it was, childish. It was, I don't know. It would be like if there were there was an episode of Garfield and Friends, there wasn't a US Acres segment because as a hey, kid yeah. I really like those. But if <laughs> but if they didn't, but if they took that out, I would feel feel weird. I'd be like, they should put that game. Uh there is another Christmas adjacent Fraggle Rock story in the form of a children's book called Moki and the Festival of the Bells. In that story, Moki gives all her friends a present, but she thinks none of them appreciate their gifts, so she ponders running away. Of note, none of the presents she gives is a yellow pebble, so I don't know when that comes into play. <laughs> but by 1987, past the pebble season clearly coincides with Christmas Eve. But I'm glad this episode exists. I'm glad Jim Henson wanted to teach us kids to stay curious. Uh, and I'm very, very glad the Fraggles are back to the rock this year. I'm happy to say my kids have taken to it. Uh, this episode is also available on Apple TV+. Plus. But it's around if you look for it. Uh, but thank you both for kicking off Christmas in July with me. This was great. Of course. Thanks for having me, Mike. And if people want to blindfold your dog and give it a big stick, where can they find you on the Internet, Donnie? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Please don't give my dog a big stick. She gets enough on her own. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I am on Twitter at boxcar45. I rarely use it, whatever. Uh, but more prominently, uh, I my band Bronwyn's Ghost has a SoundCloud. You might know us from such podcast intros as this one. Um, <laughs> it's uh, soundcloud.com slash Bronwyn's Ghost. And uh, hopefully we'll have new material up there sometime. We're lazy and old and our time is you know, spent working until we died, but, uh, <laughs> I'm giving, I'm having my Moki existential crisis. Uh, Oh no. Oh yeah. I'm eternally grateful. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we will, uh, we will hopefully have new stuff up soon. Um, but yeah, uh, 
that's that's where you can find me on the interwebs. And Tom, for me, um, I'm on Twitter at uh, the Pop Daddy, and I'm also on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash/PopDaddyTom. I uh, have a little channel there where parenting meets pop culture. Um, as of the date of this recording, uh, my child is due in about two weeks. So by the time this thing's released, I'll have a uh, baby Yay! out. Yay! So uh, yeah. So excited. Yeah. Congrats, Pop. Thanks, man. Hey, I do virtual story times for my job if you want to come watch me. Maybe I will. <laughs> okay. Perfect. It's a, it's a library date with your small, small awesome. child. Just keep it down in there. It's a library. We have to keep it down. <laughs> that, that's the joke. Oh. oh, jokes. I get jokes. Remember those? <laughs> well, podcast pals. If you want to read the show notes for all the tangents and fraggle holes we went down this episode, they're probably right in wherever you're listening to this, actually. But you can always find the show at adventcalendar.house. Please say hi on Twitter at adventcalhouse. Uh, Either way, thank you for listening. I've got more holiday specials to talk about every other day leading up to Christmas in July. So until next time, for Tom Coombs and Donnie Storms, live from deep inside that hole in your living room that you really should do something about. This is Mike Westfall reminding you to be careful of the icy patch. And this trash heap has spoken. Yeah. (laughs) And now these messages. Do you fondly remember blowing the dust out of a golden Nintendo cartridge to get it to work? Get the dust out of it. All right, here we go. Yes, let's get it. Now the screen's gray. Aw, man. Or those long nights when you were up late fighting Ganon and you'd hear your mom coming downstairs. Hello? That's mom. Uh, pretend you're asleep. Wait, pause it. Pause it. Turn off the TV. Do you think she's gone? Make a sound. Hmm. I thought I heard two boys down here. Oh, well. Well, Ben and Pat are here to transport you back to those exhilarating moments as the Hyrule Podcasters! Join the two brothers each week as they play through Zelda games in Nintendo's legendary series. Episodes are filled with color commentary, lightly researched facts, personal anecdotes, and more. Hyrule Podcasters is available through Anchor on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the Hyrule Podcasters on Facebook and Instagram at Hyrule Podcasters and on Twitter at Hyrule Podcaster. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. What would we do, baby, without us? Shalala.